this Building the Brand, Eugene and Cherie sit down with Alec Rose, Macon's second full-time apprentice, who we had the pleasure of working with these past 28 days. Part debriefing, part feedback session, this episode examines some of the insights the soon-to-be-graduated Alec has gained, as well as the challenges he faced in his short few weeks in Hong Kong. Alec, how's it going? Good. Your second last day. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's start off with why do you want to work in editorial and publishing? Because I've always written, like even from a kid, I used to write stories all the time. I've always loved writing. Um, and then it kind of fitted in with how my tastes developed with getting into fashion and culture in general which were like things that I was genuinely interested in, which I couldn't focus on so much in uni. And they kind of fit together perfectly in the world of media. How do you hear about Macon? I heard about Macon through a family friend called Luke Casey, who knows you guys. Great director. Videographer's kind of maybe underselling him. Director. And basically I was talking to him on family holiday, saying that I was coming out of university and wanted to go into publishing and editorial. And he said, I need to put you in contact with Macon. And like he sent me the website over and stuff like that. And it was quite encouraging because whether it had been terrible or great, I probably still would have been like, oh, mate, need some experience. Can you like hook me up? But it was really nice because the stories are actually great. And stuff that like at that point, the most of the stuff that I was reading was kind of hype beast, high snobiety stuff and seeing the other side, which is way more interesting and has something more profound to it. was encouraging. And uh, so, yeah, as I said, if it had been terrible, I probably still would have asked for an opportunity. Why is it that even if we'd been terrible, you would have reached out for an opportunity? Yeah, I think that's trying to get into like your mind space. I think it says quite a lot about the maybe the opportunities in London while I was coming out of university in the sense that you kind of, I think especially in the world of media, because why would anybody give you an opportunity unless you can prove that you've already done it? Because there are like 500 other people that could take that spot. So I guess it says something about the fact that coming out of uni, I was ready to kind of start at the very bottom and just basically take anything that I can get. To that point you made about having 500 people in line, do you think there's a difference between the 500 people that could theoretically fill a role and a seat and who of those 500 are actually competent? Well, I mean, yeah, with the right direction, I think loads of people can do what I have done this month, basically. Like if you're teaching most people who have any basic grip of how to write and they could produce something that's probably quite good. But I don't think I've done it that well in this month. But what I like, I don't think I've found like a style yet, basically. And I think that's what distinguishes someone who'd be great at a job and somebody who could just do it like anybody else. I think finding a style and people knowing instantly that it is your work and it has a kind of flair to it, like a confidence, which I get that it just comes with experience. But I think you've also got to want to find that style unless you have like a driving enthusiasm for it from the get-go, then you're not going to try and find that style. You get bored. For the were, were you Were you expecting anything different because this was not in London and this was in Hong Kong? Well, I came last summer for literally a week to visit Luke again and like instantly noticed the different atmosphere. He kind of took us to a gallery opening and think he took us to like loads of little things with his friends. And it's, it's just like a completely different atmosphere in the sense that people were super welcoming and collaborative. Like everything he was doing seemed to be with people he knew as a friend anyway and hung out with. 
not just on a work level, which I think is very different to London, for example, where everything seems, you know, somebody through work and unless they can benefit your company, you don't need to do anything with them. Whereas here, it seems like you guys know everybody who's opening a gallery and you know somebody who's done the work there or like, you know, somebody who's helped design the poster and stuff like that. I just, I thought that was really nice. Do you agree with that point? I do agree with that point, but it's interesting to hear it come from Alec because I think sometimes for us who are here, it can seem like the city is very small. Yeah, I guess that's the flip side of it. Yeah, definitely a positive is that you know everyone and that it is collaborative and it can be a really great environment to be working with one another and be friends with each other and go out for dinner, but also feels like maybe there's not enough things going on in the city if I know everyone that is doing something. It is interesting to hear your perspective because I think that if you stay here too long, the exact things you mentioned start to creep in and people feel as though they're inhibited from doing certain things, right? Like, oh, rent is expensive, which it is. All these things are definite factors. But over the course of the last month or so, what were things you found to be the most challenging? I think for me, the most challenging thing was the podcast, actually, just because I'm quite like a non-talkative person in general. Like I won't speak unless I think I've got something to say. That's actually a good rule for life, though. Yeah, well, I think so. But I think a lot of people don't do it. Um, so the podcast where it was literally based around our voices and it's like the only thing there, that was hard for me, but not embarrassment, but like the, uh, not even insecurity. I don't really know the word, but that kind of fell away pretty quickly when you just start a discussion. Um, do you look at self-consciousness? Yeah, but I don't think it's even as much as self-consciousness. It was just like a little wall that had to fall away because I've never like known that people are like listening to my voice and I don't like people listening to my voice. Mm-hmm. Not Again, that's, that also sounds too strong. It's not that I don't like it. It's just like I don't like to force it upon people. How do you feel about it now? Having yeah, been I feel a behind lot, the mic? A lot more comfortable now. Kind of, You kind of forget it's there. And also I think the editing of the audio changed the way I saw it as well. This, Seeing is, this you, is where I throw in the how the sausage is made. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, seeing how you can make the sausage look a lot prettier after editing. Tastier. Um, (laughs) Metaphor is falling apart. (laughs) The sausage is falling apart. Um, How does the podcasting fit into your idea of publishing and writing? It actually didn't at all until I came here, which is interesting. That's a good question because I never considered it at all in what I wanted to do. But it's central to the making concept in that it's like personal, intimate, goes a bit deeper. So I think it was really valuable to do it because I also think it affected my writing. You guys said this at the start that it would affect the way that I wrote. A script. Yeah, a script and like writing to be heard rather than writing to be read. Yeah. So it definitely made me think about the way I'm writing in like a more colloquial set, like fashion as well. So what about this past month was surprising to you? Just being in an office, really. But I'd never <laughs> been in an office before. And I guess this isn't really like... This is a an atypical office as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. I think I've had quite a nice easing into office life, which will probably only go downhill. But I've also, it was surprised me how much I enjoyed the work, actually. Like that sounds cheesy, but like genuinely, like after university, where I was, it felt towards the end of university that it was kind of dragging on a bit. And I was a bit like, yeah, vaguely disillusioned with like what I was working to and the idea of paying so much to get a piece of paper at the end of it, which essentially means nothing. And I wasn't particularly interested in most of the stuff I was writing about anyway. So it was really nice coming out of just doing my finals in the library where work is the biggest chore ever, where I can actually do work and it's fulfilling. 
Was there anything you were disappointed by? Whether Hong Kong or Macon or Eugene, I'm just kidding. Um, or in yourself even. Um, there were a few moments, stuff I knew about myself already, but like not planning enough and then really regretting it when it comes down to the fact that you haven't planned enough. So there was one point where it was with the Judy Zerbo story and I'd done all the audio and then been pretty quick to like export it and then stupidly started deleting them to make my desktop look less cluttered. And then a few days later, Elphick was like, oh, by the way, I need both tracks for the Judy Zerbo audio. Rather than just one mix down. Rather than what, yeah, one whole piece. And I was like at home on the sofa and started sweating profusely. I was like, oh shit, I've deleted it all. Like, I don't know where to find this. And it was just things like that. But like working to a process and that it was not disappointment in myself, but yeah, like, mm. yeah, there were definitely points of learning where it could have gone smoother. Mm. How do you look at process now? Process being? Creative process. I don't know, from the outside, it's very easy to see a magazine, especially when I'm not knowing part of one and want to go into one. Seeing a magazine is like everybody here knows exactly what they're doing and like making looks like really like immaculate from the outside, like the website and stuff like that. Sharice is laughing to herself. Yeah, but then it's funny, like not this sounds bad on you guys, but it's, it was really like encouraging to get here and find out that you guys are actually all still learning and like the creative <laughs> process isn't just like nailed down. But it's so true. I mean? It's so true. I'm not laughing because I disagree. I'm just laughing because it's very true. Yeah. And I do remember... Like, I remember being the same way. Actually, when I was in uni, I really wanted to go into magazines. And I did my first unpaid internship, well, for credit at Nylon Magazine. And oh, feeling, really? Yeah. But I was like 18. We'll have to talk about this. It was a different Charisse, you know? Um, and having that same sensation, like, and then it was print and holding a magazine and being like, oh, this is like amazing all these cool people, photos, et cetera. And then going there and being like, nobody knows what they're doing. Or not, not they don't know, but that everybody is also figuring it out. Yeah, I think that's the the biggest concern a lot of people have is just, there's so much scrutiny. There's so much visibility that everyone expects everything to be so good. And even myself, like, you know, there's a lot of things you learn doing this job because I almost miss the times when I could just, allow myself to do something. And even if I was to be embarrassed, I'd be okay with it versus now not even doing it. The bar for you is too high. Well, yeah. And I, I want to kind of like remove the bar in a way. You need an alter ego. I don't want, also don't want an alter ego because I feel like that is in some ways inauthentic. Like it would be more genuine for people to see the Eugene that they think they know fall yeah. on his face. Yeah, so exactly. To speak. I know you already had plans in mind for post Hong Kong, but in any way have those goals or plans kind of shifted? Yeah, 100% in the sense that I still recognize that I'm going to have to do some stuff that isn't necessarily like what I consider authentic or the exact thing that I want to be writing. But the uh, idea that you, you don't have to do it, like there are places out there that do still consider more than just an advert, which seemed to me like what the fashion media landscape looked like. But then, yeah, at some point, there is a point where you can actually say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I want to write something else and it can be successful. And do you think that, I don't know if shy is the word, but just like not being very proactive in like wanting to talk until you have something to say, do you see it as a deficiency really in terms of if you want to pursue more of this sort of interview style approach to storytelling? So I don't see it as a deficiency at all in everyday life. I think it's actually one of my best qualities. (laughs) But I think just realizing that actually really valuable stuff does happen by, as you said, making a mistake and saying 
stuff that ne- doesn't necessarily seem like the most intelligent thing to say in the first place. But that's where the value actually comes when you're just bouncing ideas off people. And I think I need to do that more instead of just thinking, this is already a good idea. So I'll say it. I think it still can be one of your best qualities as an editor interviewer, because I am similar to you and I don't talk that much. Disagree. Off of the mic when not with Eugene. And as an interviewer, it's really helpful because mostly you're just listening to someone and waiting to ask the right question. Kind of like exactly what Louis Theroux does. Like, wait, wait, do you not know Louis Theroux? Hmm. Is he British? Yeah. Mm. Like the best documentary maker ever. We'll please, have to look please, him up. please go and watch his documentary. But he's basically so good because instead of like what interviewers usually do, I feel, which is coax people into saying what they want, Louis Theroux just stays silent and lets the person kind of build their own bed and line it. I can't, what is that a saying? You build your major bed. They make their bed. They make their yeah, own bed. Yeah, it is. Um, um, build their make their bed, bed and line it. It is an idiom. But yeah, he lets them do it. So I guess, yeah, as yeah. an interview, it's a really good quality. have some questions for you guys did we ask all of eugene's questions yes okay so well you actually answered one of them already which was did you guys do apprenticeships oh well i want to know about eugene mm, i mean i did a lot of yeah i guess you could say they're apprenticeships like just doing stuff out of the love of something although i've never really been in a very sort of structured environment where hey you are an intern here it was more like you have a role to do and just do it Right. So I wasn't necessarily learning. I've largely been self-taught my whole sort of career. Do you think that the world of media has changed then? I think I definitely entered the world at a different time. And to be a publisher now is a lot more difficult than it was 10, 12, 15 years ago. The competition in publishing has arguably changed. Like you don't have as many magazines to compete against. But what do you have? You have social media, which individual influencers could theoretically be a media company. You have Netflix, Spotify, all these things that are you're, you're up against. So the self-taught method still works, but it's just more challenging in media. Actually, after Nylon, I, I interned throughout college, but I mostly took like minimum wage internships, which might have been cutting myself off from certain learning opportunities if I had been taking totally unpaid internships. Um, so I had very specific tasks. Like as in I was hired to do certain things, which is fine. Like I understood that I was being paid to do a job, but I don't think I had as many opportunities in those situations to just learn freely from different people. Mm -hmm. And the best apprenticeship I have that deserves that term was with a professor who actually, you know, because we had him on a making session. I had a professor who was just really caring and took an interest in my education and offered me an apprenticeship just with him, essentially, to learn from him. And that was the best thing I did. And his name is? Erwin Chen. Yeah, shout out to him. Still a professor at the New School, doing really interesting stuff at the intersection of journalism and design, actually. What value comes from an internship from the other side of the spectrum for you guys? Because obviously, like for me, it's pretty tangible. I have some concrete experience now that I can put on LinkedIn. Um, but for you guys, like New Facebook, <laughs> um, what's your, what's the value for you guys? If, if any, I would say that there's definitely a lot of value. And I think this will kind of be a two part discussion that we 
also talked about in an editorial meeting a few weeks ago, just about the value of like, how do I put this? Like just what role do internships, unpaid internships, what is the actual sort of discussion and dialogue around that? Um, so, but to take one step back, the value for us is I think it helps you refine your process a bit more because we go through the motions, but when you're teaching somebody, it needs to be a little bit more formulaic and it also allows you to look at inefficiencies and ways to potentially optimize it. To add on to what Eugene said, if Macon is prepared adequately for an apprentice to come in, it's a real practical help as in you being here or someone else being here does actually alleviate our workload. So there is that and that's real value that we get from it. Like real workload, like yeah, not the, making coffee. You never, please go on the record and say you never had to make coffee. I didn't make any coffee. Yeah, so it doesn't drink coffee. Doesn't matter. I drink um, coffee and you drink coffee. But the point is that it's not just, you're not just doing work that isn't helpful yeah. and we're not just teaching you to do things that we don't use. Like you are actually doing work that means someone else doesn't have to do it and that frees them up yeah. to do other stuff. And that's yeah. real value that we will miss sorely. Yeah. Um, and then also to add on to the new insights thing, it's also just so nice to have another face in the office, another voice with different backgrounds. And you've been here, so you know that the six of us know each other very well. And so it's just great to have someone else to bounce yeah. things off of. If someone can prove themselves over the course of whether it's a week or four weeks, like it's adequate preparation to see if this person can actually fit into a longer term plan. Like I told Cherise this, um, as an aside after week one, I'm like, yo, I think this guy has like the skills to potentially be someone that we could work with ongoing. Right. And, you know, in full transparency, like when we were discussing before, like I would say we were pretty flaky. And I think part of it was like, we were always kind of skirting around the idea of like the payment side of it. And I think that's a big discussion right now around like, Eugene had a bit of a crisis because I don't know if you were aware of this, but the founder of No Jumper on Twitter made some comments about unpaid internships. He basically suggested that if you are complaining about unpaid internships, then you don't have what it takes to make it. Yeah, yeah. And then Eugene messaged me privately and was like, have you been following this? Like, what do you think about it? Because yeah. there's a whole sort of like Twitter storm yeah. that ensued. Because we have to know for ourselves too, right? Like, yeah. are we doing something that is fair? Yeah. And I mean, I at the very least, we're like, hey, let's try to take care of his meals. Let's try to do what we can. Like, lo hopefully this wasn't like a very taxing sort of month for you because like, no, no. you know, you didn't, we don't have a ton of money to pay, but we try to pay them what yeah. is maybe a little bit, but very meaningful to us. Um, so I think that's the one thing that was always kind of looming over me a little bit was making sure, hey, if, if he's going to come in, make sure he has an upstanding experience or like an amazing experience that you deem is of equivalent value exchange. Yeah, as you said, I asked that question because yesterday you did say like, obviously any relationship works on the fact that there are two parts to it who give different things. So I was, I was interested to hear yeah, what the side of it was for you guys. It's, it's interesting to hear. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, we we definitely want to create a sustainable creative culture ecosystem, right? And that needs money. Yeah. Right. I think that's, that's actually probably what stands out for me about Macon, actually. So I think that's success. I have one last question. It's a bit of a banger. Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. And I want to hear complete truth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did you have expectations of me? And did I live up to them if you did? Did I fall short in any way? Or did I differ in any way? Like in work, out of work? 
I'm trying to remember what I said. So yeah, Eugene messaged me about a week after you'd come in and said, oh, what do you think of Alec? I'm trying to remember what I said, but I can't remember. You actually didn't have any sort of like um, polarizing opinion. Like it wasn't negative, but you were also like, you were also not as excited as I was. I was not glowing. He was glowing. Yeah. Go ahead. But you were not glowing because you just hadn't worked with him enough. Yeah, that's true. I was out your first week. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I actually was pretty surprised. Like, I think that if I look back on the last, you know, four weeks, I think it went really, really well to the point where, like I said, within the first week, I was like, hey, there's a good opportunity here for us to continue working. And this to me is like a good sort of indicator of what success can look like. The things that I'm always aware of, but I never really buy into it is the perception of how youth culture is currently and how it stacks up with reality. It's like, oh, kids these days are X, Y, Z. But I, that's, it was a question I was going to ask earlier because, you know, your interest in things that have a little bit more substance, a little bit more intellectual rigor, not because we're trying to be pretentious about being smart. It's just that those are things that we feel are necessary. It's like at the age of 22, like they're probably not things that we expect, but I think you've demonstrated and so did Willie last year. It's like, hey, these are people that actually have like, you know, this sort of insight into the world around them that doesn't fall in line with what you think. I think I definitely had the very basic expectation of you being able to do work that is tedious. And, well, this is an expectation I have of all people who work yeah. at Macon, including you know Nate and Elf and Eugene, is that we all have to pull our weight when it comes to writing social copy or writing the briefing, things that aren't exciting. And you definitely fulfill that. It has been wonderful to have you write the briefing, honestly. I've actually because, really enjoyed briefing. Oh, thank God. <laughs> that's what I love to hear because I usually do it and I don't love it. Um, so it's been really great. And I think I also had an expectation that I don't know if I've seen you fulfill is to bring, but maybe it's a discomfort just meeting us and only having a month is to bring up things that you would like to do. Yeah. Um, and I would really like to see that. Like, what is a story that you want to do that is yeah. your own? And, and, and yes, of course, like there's an expectation of each of us to do assignments and to pull our weight for just group projects. But I am interested. What, what would you want to write about on your own? And, and I have kind of seen it in the analysis and things that you picked, but it'll be interesting to see that to be continued on a story in London. level. Yeah. 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 You didn't really talk about, um, I think this is a good question too. Like, what would you recommend to other people for getting something out of an apprenticeship? Yeah. Or if you've learned something new about like how to make the most? Yeah. Basically, I think to get the best out of an apprenticeship, obviously this is my first, but what instantly stands out is just to accept at the start that you're going to make mistakes and to not think that when you're going into the office, to recognize that everybody knows you're there to learn rather than to be instantly good at everything. And I think at the start, I was trying to be instantly good at everything. And rather than thinking of myself as an apprentice, I was like, okay, I need to work on the same level as everybody here who's been doing it for years. And and then slowly realized, actually, I've got to ask for help a bit more often because I'm just wasting time if I'm doing something wrong. It is important to have a sort of working environment that is not in promotion of shitty work, but just in promotion of, hey, test yourself, make mistakes. I think also just accepting the reality that we also make mistakes and we have to be honest with each other. I guess. (laughs) I'm just kidding. 
it's not true in the slightest. We make mistakes all the time. We just DM each other about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, actually, this is my my last question. What is one musical track that sums up your last four <laughs> weeks? Wow. <laughs> um, this is too difficult. I can't do it. Can I, can I record a bit later? Yeah. No, what we'll do is like, we'll let it run. You'll find the track. Elphick will pop it in. And yeah. Then- This episode of Building the Brand was hosted by Eugene Can, Sharice Poon, and Alec Rose. Audio is mixed by Elphick Wu. The rest of the Macon team includes Alex Mayland, Christopher Lim, and Nate Can.